God and politics. This is not necessarily my strongest suit. You know, I, I've never been a huge fan of politics, but, you know, we're going to dive into it. I've realized that, you know, I need to uh, know a little more. Oh, I've got to get two things ready. This right here makes me a little more comfortable when, uh, when they preach. We get my coffee cup up here. Yes, you think I huh, think I need a coffee cup? No, I don't need a coffee cup. I just want to get get these things ready. Just so you know, I don't know if you know, but there's a there's a Bears Panthers game today. And um, but I I also want you to know that I'm not completely against the Panthers. This is my Steve Smith bobblehead doll, right? And then I got huh? You love him? You love him, right? And then this is. Oh, this one's a little sad. This is Mick Kibitsky. If you know, QB2. He was our starting quarterback. But I just wanted to be known before we move on this morning that I am a fan of both. I am a fan of both. But, you know, sometimes God is just on one side more than the other. Just, I, I, just, I just said that. I'm just, he is sometimes, how many people have a Jesus bobblehead doll? How? How cool is that? Uh, I just I just want you to know that I am praying for all of you, that you enjoy today, that this would be a great afternoon from 1 o'clock to about 4.15, that this would be just a fantastic afternoon for you. I plan on celebrating and rejoicing um, all afternoon. I hope you guys will do too. And, and Masoon will be with you guys in Green Bay. That's going to be exciting. Yes, I don't have a Green Bay bobblehead doll because uh, Jesus wouldn't allow it in my office. See what? Jesus can bobblehead, bobblehead Jesus. Can Green Bay come in? No, see, he automatically is a kind of a no taker. All right, so that's probably not biblical. But. All right, back to the topic of today. If you guys want to open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4, we're going to be reading chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, continuing our series in, um, this is a special podcast, sorry, continuing our series of Let's Talk God and Politics. And one of the things that has been on my heart as, as we have gone through this series is the actual let's talk part. You know, because Billy has said it a couple times, this is something we don't really talk about a lot. Um, I definitely grew up in an era where we didn't talk about it. It was, you know, if you're going out to eat and with people you don't know or, or you're hanging out with people you don't know, these are two of the big things you don't talk about. But that is not the case anymore. I haven't had a conversation um, outside of my friends that hasn't involved one of these in the last, I don't know, two or three weeks. And so what I begin to understand is that it is very important not just to know what you believe and not just to know how you want to talk about it or, or, or what you want to say, but how you say it. I'm willing to bet that everybody in this room has been on one side or the other side of this statement. It's not what you said but it's how you said it. Everybody been on one of those sides? Yeah, it's, I know I've definitely said that before. It's not what you said, it's how you've said it. And, and, and I realize when I say that, that that's, there's a lot of truth in that. And even if I can't necessarily voice it's how you said it and what that really means, there's a lot of truth. I know that when I've received that comment, which is very few times, very few times, every now and then I'll get this comment, 
And after, you know, another, you know, 30 or 40 minutes of discussing, I realized that it's true. That it's really true. It's not what I said, but it's how I said it. It's really an interesting comment because it immediately does two major things. First, it verifies that what you said was right. Yeah? And how exciting is that? How exciting is it to be verified that, yes, that's right, what I said was correct? Let's mark it down in the journal, in the time slot, in my phone. What I said was right. But then, almost immediately, what it says is, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you said was right, because the way you said it was rude or ugly or mean or offensive or divisive. And as I was thinking through this sermon and as I, I was actually preparing for um, uh, a small our devotional for the staff, this verse kept coming over and over to me. This is a verse that Pastor Billy preached about, I don't know, about a month or two ago when he asked us um, each person to get two, two people to pray for you regarding this verse. I realized it's not what you said, but how you said it is actually a really biblical thing. So if you'll read with me, along with me in your Bibles, Colossians 4, Colossians 4, 2 through 6 reads this. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. This is what Pastor Billy was talking about. Remember, he asked us to, to have people pray for us in this regard. And that's what Paul's saying, pray for us as we do this. But then he, he begins to talk straight to the people in Colossians. He says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I've come to realize one of Paul's favorite words is always. He loves that word, always, everywhere, in all things. He uses it over and over. And right here he says, be wise in the way you act towards others. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace. He's specifically here talking about when you have conversations with outsiders, with people who don't know Christ, who aren't in a relationship with Christ. But I'm 100% convinced this also will work in every single conversation you ever have. Paul is very specific here, but it will work every time. And here is our responsibility. You know, there's very few things in life that we have complete and total control over. Very, very, very few things. Very, very few things. One of them is the way we respond. The way we talk, the way we speak, the way we communicate, we have complete and full and total control over that. We do. What Paul is saying is in every conversation, but in particular with those who are on the outside, those who don't believe like us, those who don't think like us, those who don't have a relationship with Christ, it says that it's our responsibility to bring grace to that conversation. It is my responsibility in that conversation to bring grace. It's not their responsibility, it is mine. And the grace I bring does not depend on the grace they bring or the lack of grace they might bring to the conversation. It doesn't depend on, on the way they're talking to me. It doesn't depend on, you know, hey, hey, listen here, dude, it's not what you're saying, it's the way you're talking. No, no, that is none of our concern. Our concern is that we have conversations that we bring the grace of God into 
that situation. So we bring the grace no matter what they say or how they say it. In 1 Peter 4, it says that we're actually the stewards of God's grace. It reads this way. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 10. I'll read it to you. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober mind so that you may pray. I want you to to remember that line, be alert and sober of mind. It actually, Paul says in in the Colossians passage too, devote yourselves to prayer, be watchful and thankful. We're going to come back to that. It says, be sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you, and here it is, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. That's our responsibility. When we're in this time, and, and it is very aggressive, it is very uh, tumultuous, it is just uh, as tense as I can ever remember it in my lifetime. And our responsibility in it is the way we speak, the way we act, the way we respond. And what we're called to do is bring grace. We're always called to bring truth. Operating in grace towards somebody and speaking grace towards somebody is not void of truth. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we should just let the person, you know, kind of just say what they want and not be um, confrontational in our beliefs or, or, you know, that kind of thing. But the way we say it, right after he says you bring the grace, he says you also bring the salt, right? You season your words. Salt is meant to make something taste good. It's our responsibility as we talk to do our best job, our best as we possibly can to make what we say receivable. We can't control whether somebody receives it. We can't uh, determine and we can't make them receive. But we can. Ha- we have the opportunity to make it as receivable as possible. That is our call. When we're talking about let's talk God and politics, we're called to bring grace to the table. We're called to bring salt to the table. The question is, how? Right? I, I do believe firmly we have full control over it, but sometimes in the midst of a conversation, it feels like you have no control over how you respond. You know, that it starts welling up, you know, you just want to lash out, you just want to, you know, prove yourself right, you just want to say what you want to say, and you've, you've stopped listening to the person because you've already determined what they're going to say and how you're going to respond in the perfect way. None of us ever do that. We're always fully attentive, right? We're always fully paying attention to the person in front of us. Sometimes we don't have control over over what we say. So how do we? How do we operate in grace in our conversations? How, in the midst of all this, how do we do that? The first is twofold, in my opinion, and and this is what Paul says. Not just my opinion. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. The, the first way in order to, to set the stage so the conversations we have, we have got to be praying. We've got to be praying and seeking the Lord for wisdom. We've got to be praying and for the people that we're going to come in contact with. We've got to be praying. And then the second part, it says that we be watchful and thankful. One of the things I really have been convicted about during this time is, is, is the need for us as Christians to be watchful, to understand what's going on around us, to understand the tone of our neighbors and understand the tone of our city and understand the atmosphere that we're in. And here Paul is saying, you need to be devoted to prayer. You need to be watchful. We need to know what's going on around so that we can 
things speak to us um, as we pray with you and as we lovingly and as graciously as possible. But in the midst of this, it's very interesting, Paul throws this word in there that we need to be thankful. And it's been hitting me like a ton of bricks since we shut down everything in March, right? Is that when we shut down? March. Is that the need to be thankful in all things at all times. That there is always something in my life, going on in my life, to be thankful for. And sometimes it is just the fact that God is God and God loves me. But here, Paul is saying, in the midst of getting ready to tell people, you've got to be gracious, you've got to be loving, you've got to take the most of every opportunity You've got to, you know, proclaim the gospel to people. He says, be thankful. Thankful, having a thankful heart puts us in a place that's much more at peace. It changes our focus. It changes our focus of, of, because sometimes we're not just watchful, we get wrapped up in it. Yes, ma'am. We get wrapped up in the politics. We get wrapped up in social media. We get wrapped up in everything that's going on. And we're not just watchful, we become consumed. Being thankful for who God is, being thankful for what he's done in your life, kind of keeps you from that. Because in the midst of the craziness, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the fear that's abounding, I am thankful. Puts you in that place. So the first thing we do is that we're prayerful, we're watchful, we're thankful. I said that was twofold, but I guess that's actually threefold. The second way that we enter into these conversations is that we've got to get to a place that we're responding out of the depth of our relationship with the Lord. That when we're, peop- we're speaking to somebody, when we're speaking to an outsider, and we're trying to make the most of every opportunity given us, we're speaking from the depth of our relationship with the Lord. 2 Peter 1 verse 2 says this, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and our Savior. Knowing who God is, knowing what he's done for you, knowing how much he loves you, knowing the truth of his word, digging deep into that relationship, that actually brings you more grace and peace. And if we can respond from that place instead of just responding to, you know, what do you believe and what I believe in, but respond from that place, that's how we can walk in grace. You can actually extend kind of yourself grace and peace from knowing God. The more you know God, the more you you, you know who he is and what he's done, and you, the more you know his promises, that should bring more peace in your life and allow you to walk in more grace towards others. So building and, and deepening your relationship with the Lord, letting that be the loud voice that is yelling, that is grabbing your attention. Pastor Billy talked about it last week, Proverbs 9, that both wisdom and foolishness are yelling, right? They're yelling from the mountaintops. Which one are you allowing? To penetrate your heart penetrate your mind, to penetrate your ears. What is the loudest voice? Often it is, you know, the things we see and the things we watch and the things we hear. But if we are willing to dig in, man, grace and peace abound in our life. If you don't, if you don't dig into that relationship, grace and peace won't abound, I promise, because you will be so easily wrapped up in the things that are going on and the turmoil that is going on. The second, uh, sorry, the third thing, and the last, the last two kind of go together, is not only do we have to be watchful and thankful, we have to be attentive in the conversations that we're having. We have to be aware. So it's attentive and aware, and the, and the last one is understand. They all kind of go together. I want to talk about them kind of as a group. Attentive, aware, and we've got to be able to understand. 
And what I mean by that is we've got to be able to understand the people of God. Right now, people are, are operating and, and responding and they're speaking and they're typing on their keyboards or on their phones or, or wherever they might use, you know, on the internet, on Facebook and Instagram, out of fear. They are terrified of what's going to happen next. And when we begin to part with somebody, we have to realize that that's where they're coming from. They're literally afraid of what happens if so-and-so gets elected or what happens if so-and-so doesn't get elected or what happens next. They're operating from a place of fear. Maybe it's from past hurts. Maybe it's from anger. Maybe it's, it's, it's I don't know what it's from, but I promise you that's where they're operating is they're operating out of fear. And if we don't walk into every conversation realizing that, we'll miss it and we'll respond in kind. Because where we should be operating from is peace, not fear. We're not called to operate out of fear. They, people that don't know the Lord really do tend to operate out of fear, especially in this. But we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be. Yes, watchful. Yes, you know, uh, understanding things. Yes, you know, we vote. We, yes, we, we participate. But above all else, and Billy was saying it last week and, and the week before, we know God's in control. We understand that no matter what happens next, God is still God. God still loves me. God is still a redeemer. God is still a healer. God is still my Savior. But the people we come in contact with, they don't know that. They don't understand it. They haven't haven't received that yet or it hasn't been revealed to them yet. And they're operating out of fear. And we shouldn't. We should be the ones that come in with grace. We should be the ones that come in with peace. We should be the ones that come and bring God to every conversation. You know, in the middle of this passage, he says this. He says, um, I, I pray that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. You know, no matter what conversation you're in, especially you, but in, in regards to people who don't know Christ, you know, the end, end goal is to bring the gospel into that message. And give me just a minute before you decide what that means. I'm going to tell you what I'm, I'm meaning. I'm not meaning that you got to figure out how to walk them down the Roman road. That's not, that's not the goal of every conversation. It's not, I've got to figure out how to, to lead them to salvation. But in every conversation, there is a point where the truth of God sets you free. And so we have these opportunities. And I promise that if you step outside your door, you will have more opportunities than you can take a stick at. Go stand in line when it's time to vote, and you're going to have all kinds of opportunities. Go, you know, go, go to the grocery store and spark up a conversation. You're going to have the opportunities. And that opportunity, we're supposed to make the most of every opportunity by bringing the truth of God to that conversation. Doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're walking down the wrong road, but you know, hey, listen, do you know that, that God loves you and, you're, and He's going to protect you and He's going to watch out for you and He's going to hold you in the palm of His hand? Do you know that God knows you and loves you and knows your story and He cares for you? That there's always an opportunity for you to present the love and the truth of God. This is what Paul's talking about. Make the most of every opportunity. When we talk to outsiders, that we bring grace to the table, that we open up the doors, not so that we can prove ourselves right, but so that we can show them who God is, that we can show them the love of the Father, that we can show them the redemption of Jesus. That's what it means when we talk about bringing grace to conversations and that that we season with salt, that we come with the opportunity for them to be set free.
in the fear of the outburst. I believe that, and I, I've said it a number of times, I believe that this, this time we have more opportunity than we will ever have or we ever have had. I think this is a time where we stand for truth full and total, but we have got to walk this. Because I believe that people don't talk. If, if you open up your Facebook or you open up your Twitter or you open up your Instagram or you talk to somebody, man, there's not a whole lot of grace to be found there. Not a bit. But every time I've had an actual conversation with somebody and I approach it from this point of I'm, I'm just going to walk in and I'm going to be gracious. I'm not going to be confrontational. I'm not just coming in to prove myself right. The doors are beginning to open. Uh, I had a conversation with a neighbor friend of mine who who two days beforehand had posted something that was not gracious. And then, but when I had a conversation with this person, it was a very gracious face-to-face conversation. And I believe that's the power of God. That's the power of God. So I just want to encourage you. Don't shy away from talking about it, but understand how how we talk about it. Because it is not just what we say, it is how. Because if we say it wrong, the truth of what we say will be but if we say it in grace, we say it in seasons, the truth can open up people's eyes to Jesus. And then think about what happens in life when we're not so careful and everybody is so walking in fear and, and, and these types of things. What kind of world and what kind of things happen? What, what kind of life begins to happen in your neighborhood and in your community and, and in your school and in your job? When people find grace meet Jesus, lives are changed. Let's pray. Lord, I pray <coughs> that you would give us wisdom, Lord, as we enter into the conversations that we have. Lord, I pray that you would help us to walk in grace. Lord, I pray for each and every person here that uh, they would learn what it means to, to draw closer to you, to dig down deep, to, to de- develop their relationship with you so that they may walk in peace and grace, and Lord, that they can bring that peace and grace to the conversations that they're having. Lord, I pray that we would walk boldly through every single opportunity that you've given us, Lord, that, that we wouldn't be afraid, that we would know that you will speak to us, you will speak through us, Lord, that that person across from us, that you love them, Lord, that, that we would show them that love. Lord, I pray that grace would abound in our lives, that grace would abound Amen. Amen. Pastor Limer is going to come up and he's going to um, share with us and, and